the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. People cannot write well. They cannot think well. If they cannot think well, others will do the thinking for them. Political language is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable and to give an appearance of solidity to pure wind. And then uh, finally, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. Those are all from George Orwell over 100 years ago. Um, George has been right so far. (laughs) Let's just say that, okay? Uh, anyway, you know, I always talk about this show and, um, you know, if, if you want to get into the information, we have a lot of good information, you know, uh, just go to WHK's webpage and go to local podcast and down to the Smart Investor Show and you go directly to my webpage where you can get, you know, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list. Uh, we have this new large cap value list, which I think is going to be a good one over the next couple of years. There's no you know, track record. So uh, I got to watch these fairly closely. Also, you know, the ADRs, although they're not, the relative strength is terrible. An ADR is an American depository receipt. So they trade on, on American exchanges, but, but they're foreign stock. I, I think that's going to be a good place to be, but not yet. Okay. So um, also, if you go to that webpage, there's a banner, it says insight. And, uh, you know, I highly recommend it. There's a lot of good ideas in there. We we name names there, okay? And then right below it is Bulletin Board, where Rob Schleimer has his weekly thing called Roadmap. And, uh, you know, Rob's one of the top technicians in the world, and uh, he's, he's a good guy to listen to. I listen to him. And then uh, if you'd like to set up an appointment or start a wealth plan, remember, you don't have to be a client now to start a wealth plan. We just send you a questionnaire. You send it back, and we'll show you some things. Uh, it'd probably be good to set up an appointment after that. Uh, anyway, there we go. We we have uh, uh, quite a few things that you can test us on, shall we say. Uh, so I was listening to Lori Calvacina this week, who's our head strategist. And, you know, she was she was talking um, to the analysts and she did a survey of the analysts. And, and there seems to be a more positive tilt on valuations, supply chains, pricing rate cut impacts and and some other things. Okay. So I think uh, one of the biggest things that jumped out was the analysts are getting less optimistic on performance, like everybody else, by the way. And just three analysts got more constructive on their uh, performance outlook, and they were media, building products, and chemicals. While 13 other performances, internet, uh, social media, and search, internet retail, oil field, refiners, regional banks, uh, especially consumer finance, life insurance, healthcare, payers, uh, life science tools and diagnostics, IT, coatings, fertilizer, communication infrastructure, we're getting less, okay? So um, there was some interesting stuff, though. There was there was much more uh, 
positive or much more optimism coming from the utilities, the healthcare, the energy, and the tech group. Um, the weakest from came from uh, consumer staples industry and consumer discretionary, which just happened to be leading right now, uh, which is interesting. So if you're looking for value, the place to go is utilities, healthcare, energy, and tech. If you're you know, performance right now is, is coming from staples and uh, some other stuff like that, you know, so, and, and discretionary. You know, it's amazing. Discretionary is doing well. And I, I guess the question is, are they doing well? Um, and we'll see from there. But, uh, you know, it is uh, an interesting time, I think, simply because of the fact that uh, uh, there's there's a lot of people out there that are, uh, that's the best way to put this. Um well, you're looking at uh, uh, a period of time where most people are pessimistic. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think the president's approval rating is now the lowest it's ever been. Uh, so it's one of those things where you just have to be, you know, thinking different. Okay, sometimes it's good to understand what people are saying, but look, one of the bull most bullish things that can happen: stocks go up. And since, you know, back in September, last week of September of last year, I said, I think we've hit bottom. Now, what happened was about two weeks later, we had one big down day and we reversed back up. We had what is known as an island reversal the next day. And we've never been lower than that since then. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, we had the CPI report and I noticed, uh, you know, Mark Newton over at Fundstrat was talking and uh, it was on his weekly piece. And he said the speculative S&P 500 futures net positioning is the most negative it's been since 2011. That's a 12-year high. Moreover, the seasonal positives with April expected to post a medium plus 4% gain. You know, that, that's an interesting scenario. So you got all these people who are negative and they're betting negative, yet the market keeps going up. Now, we're overbought on a McQuillan oscillator. That's how I look at overbought, and I'm overbought on some of the momentum figures. But overbought can last a while. You know, uh, back uh, in in January, the first week of January, we're overbought on the uh, you know the McQuillan oscillator, and we stayed overbought for all through January. Okay, so it can happen. Now, I don't think we're going to hit new highs, but if we break 4,200, there is a gap of about 300 points there. Uh, so we could go to 4,200. 42, 42, Forty-two. I'm sorry, forty-five hundred by the S&P five hundred. So we so we had the CPI number come, and and you know the the minutes from the FMOC meeting were not exactly bullish. They were they took a very bearish net narrative towards a momentary victory dance. Uh, I Fed Barkin said uh, there was more to do. Okay, but the bearish thesis is largely anchored on the view that U.S. U.S. is going to have a hard landing and inevitable, and well, I'm not looking overlooking the hard nosed analysts, you know, the, the Fed staffers and that type of thing. This is the same team that seemingly made the forecast late in 2022 that were impacted by what they call Haver analytics. Uh, you ever heard of those? But you know, uh, their conclusion of a mild recession is hardly relatively, given the, the weekly held consensus belief in this, and given the extreme cautiousness of even CEOs. So, look, the bearish consensus view. I mean, everybody's bearish. I mean, guys, I see that are bullish every week on CNBC are now bearish. Okay, so I think, you know, first of all, inflation is falling faster than the consensus expectations. 
And I think second, the Fed could uh, just be done raising rates or getting near the end of the cycle. And third, the equity market, even the bond market to an extent, are, argue, are arguing the opposite of a recession. All right. So, you know, I, I don't think you want to get too bearish. So once again, inflation is falling faster than consensus expectations. Um, you know, March CPI and PPI both showed that, you know, that higher inflation for long, the narrative is, is not dead, but it's, it's, it's dying. And I think, you know, the Fed could be done raising interest rates pretty soon, you know, if they do it one more time. Now, the other thing I noticed is the VIX. Now, if you don't know what the VIX is, the VIX is the fear index. And it broke to a new low this week, it hit the 17. Now, look, you know, in a bull market, it's usually 9 to 12 for a pretty long time. So it's, it's a ways away, but, you know, but the equity market is going higher. And that's the most bullish thing you can do. And I'm supposed to say at this point that this is a live show. And if you've got any questions, you can call in here. It's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Now, I had a conversation with Bert last week, and Bert had like 10 reasons why we should be bearish. That's okay. You know, there's always a reason to worry. In 1962, when the Dow Jones Industrials was a below 100, there were 13 nuclear warheads in Cuba, pointed you know, were they 100 miles from Miami Beach. That's a reason to be negative. Where is the Dow now? Where is the Dow now? During that period of time, we've had a Vietnam War. We've had the Persian Gulf War. I mean, we've had... Uh, you know, several crashes in the stock market. We've had a financial crisis, you know, the Great Recession, as they called it. So, look, calm seems to have settled over the financial markets after the recent uh, banking woes. But now the attention has turned to other potential pressures, stuff like, you know, commercial real estate. You know, most of the, the reason to worry about commercial real estate is they get most of their money from regional banks. Banking systems, which fragile in previous crises, you know, uh, those in Europe and Japan in particular are the focus. So, look, um, structural and uh, cyclical issues are kind of darkening the commercial real estate market. And I think that that could be a problem. And the other fact is, is people aren't going back to work as much as they'd like to. Uh, There's not a lot of people going back to the office. They're trying to get them back, but they're not. So that's something to think about. Now, the other thing, you know, is a recession here? Uh, I don't know. But I can tell you, you know, we have an earnings recession going on right now. That's what the market's telling us. They're not willing to, when interest rates go up, they're not willing to pay the extra dollar for an extra dollar in earnings. That's what inflation is all about, okay? So when interest rates go up, P-E ratios go down. So if you're not making your earnings, look out below. If you are, it's not that exciting right at the moment. So. Whether or not the U.S. economy comes to a recession later this year, and I'm telling you why I don't think they're going to, $1.5 trillion in spending goes into effect October 1st by the U.S. government. $1.5 trillion. It's a good clip, folks. So that's why I I don't think it's going to happen. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. But look, I think the consensus earning forecast for the remaining quarters of this year are bound to come in. They're going to come down. Okay, and that's why, you know, this four year cycle we talked about again and again and again on the show. Going out to 2024, 
You know, that gives you time to digest everything that's out there. All right. Now, I'm going to say this again. I've been saying this for about a year now. A barbell approach to your portfolio is very good. So the bar can be, you know, like I've been talking, I talked about the 5% treasuries, you know, back in the fall and then again in the winter. Uh, and then on the right side, you want to have some value stock. Now, the industrials will pull back and they pull back pretty hard. And I think, you know, they're not ready yet to buy. Uh, but they led the way last year. So sometimes, you know, part of your portfolio is going to go back. And I think that's been the problem this year is that leadership has been elusive or it doesn't last long. Okay. But the value stocks are on, on the right side and on the left side are the, are the growth stocks. Now, I would tilt above right now. Healthcare seems to be breaking out. You know, we talked about that. Rob Schleimer talked about that back in December. The staples are holding up pretty well. They're expensive. You should know that. And technology and utilities. Neutral, I'm on communication services. Remember, they were dead last. They only had 29 votes. They're up to 80. So they've made a big move. Uh, so you want to buy them coming back to you. And then energy and and. Some people like real estate. I think you got to be very picky what real estate you're buying, okay? Tilt below, I think, for now, industrials, materials. Uh, some of the financials, though, they, they kind of led the way last week, so we'll, we'll find out what's happening. I mean, J.P. Morgan blew the cover off the ball. <laughs> they just, I mean, it just blew the cover off the ball. And But look, we had some, we have narrow leadership, and it... It, their leadership changes very quickly. You know, at the beginning of the year was healthcare, then it, they died, and then the, the industrials holding up really good, then they died, and the oils held up pretty good, and they died. Now, oil, I've had a lot of questions about oil. We broke the downtrend line. Now, to get back into, you know, above the supply level, you need to get above 85. And if we do, I think oil uh, will take off. I, I don't think I'd be selling my big cap oil stocks. Uh, you know, remember I was a little bit negative a couple weeks ago and some of the stock pulled back a little bit, but that, that has been the problem. You know, there's been big gains in some tech, you know, uh, you know, if you look at the, the FANG stocks, they're up pretty big. The XLK is up about 16% to 20%, uh, depending on there's, there's one ETF that's up 21%. So the sectors are there, you know, the communication services, you know, it's, we're dead last last year or up 20%. All right. So Infotech, depending on, like I said, on which ETF you're looking at, is up between 16 and 21 percent. So uh, consumer discretionary up 15. You know, so the energy, financials and healthcare are all negative for the year and the utilities are negative. So that's where the valuation comes in. All right. So what, what we're saying right now is you want to look at the laggards, not the leaders. In an overbought market, that's kind of uh, what you want to do, in the, you know, in the long run. So, uh you know, I, I think what we're just doing is using logic, you know, to, to do what you're supposed to do in the market, buy things that are pulled back. Uh, and, and right at the moment, like I said, I think, you know, dividend growth is very, very important. Remember, we talked about this at length. We have this silver tsunami coming, folks. People are retiring. All right. Dividends mean something. All right. So that that's pretty interesting. I also think, you know, why why people buy in healthcare? Number one, they have great dividend growth. All right. Now, some people are buying the, the, the biotechs and a lot of the big biotechs have dividend growth. OK, they're not your, your grandfather's biotechs. OK, uh, so that's kind of a key too. now. Some of the smaller biotechs are going up simply because they're event driven. All right. Where you don't have to have earnings driven. If you have a good positive event, they can go up. Uh, 
the the earnings obviously are going to be lacking uh, in, in a lot of the smaller cap uh, and and you know aggressive stocks. Now the mid caps have done fairly well, so you just you know keep that in the back of your head. But I do think the dividend growth is going to be very very important going forward because the silver tsunami. All right, so don't forget that. Now I, I had asked uh, by several people, uh, you know, what would you be doing right now? Well, look in down markets. If you don't have a plan, you're out to lunch, all right? So people have been asking me, you know, will I be able to retire? You know, with a wealth plan, we can go in and say, okay, what happens if the market never comes back? Will I be able to retire? Whatever. And that's why I like the thing. You know, you can you can, you can go to playground, which we call it, and, and do what ifs. I, I have a gentleman who wants to give $50,000 to each one of his children, all right, to buy houses. And... uh we played with that for a while, and turns out he can do it and still retire. And, uh, you know, he's 67 years old. He uh, wants, He's just about to retire, and he's done well, okay? So he's going to give the kids the money and take it from there. So those are the type of things you can do. The other thing, you know, I have another client who, who says, you know, look, I, I want to spend more money. And, you know, so we, 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 we did that. It turns out he can spend more money. He just can't spend as much as he'd like. <laughs> Going thing. Hey, let's take a break. And the number here is 216-901-0945. And we'll be right back. Always Right Radio with Bob France. Those students are going to get caught up in the ramifications and the consequences of the actions of their peers. Innocent collateral damage happens wherever wokeness happens. When wokeness rules the day, people who refuse to be woke and who don't support the woke movements get punished for it. Weekdays at 9 before Charlie Kirk at noon on The Answer and Odyssey. All right, we're in studio once again with our good friend Bill Gardner from Empire Window Company. Bill, good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for having me out today. What separates Empire Window Company from some of the competitors? We're not a franchise. You know, more and more you're seeing these franchise companies that offer, you know, a million different things. We offer a specialty, windows and siding. Here's the thing. When it comes to your house, it's one of the largest investments you'll ever make. You want somebody that knows what they're doing. With us, you're going to get people that are specializing in what they do. You're going to get people that are installing siding day in, day out, windows day in, day out. This isn't a tree fort. This is your house. This is where you live. This is where you come home every day. You want to make sure that it's done once, it's done right, and it's not something you're going to have to redo again in the future. And you don't want to cut costs there, right? No, absolutely. And, you know, there's a trap that a lot of people fall into. They think that they have to spend a fortune when they're getting windows and siding. And 63 years in the business gives us a lot of buying power, and it's something we're able to pass on to you, the customer. Bill Gardner in studio. Always a pleasure talking with you. Remember, call that phone number 855-76-EMPIRE because... Empire Window Company. You deserve a fair price. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. So, people 
people ask me uh, why I've been, uh, you know, bullish since September, and I, I haven't been terribly bullish because I've been talking about the end of 2024. But uh, you know, we've had all these spikes uh, in volatility, and you know, one of the things that I had a question about this week from a gentleman who called in, he asked me about the move index, and the move index is the volatility in the bond market. Okay, which has been much higher than the stock market, by the way. And uh, people ask me, you know, uh, the, and by the way, the bond market volatility, the move index is, is showing signs of breaking down. And, you know, uh, we've had a couple moves in the volatility index down to this level. And each time it's been, you know, we've we've had a move back up just because people get frightened. But we, we did finish the week at 1756, uh, which broke another new low. And so we've been making a series of lower highs in the volatility index and a series of lower lows. The other thing that makes me bullish is the new low index has dried up. It's actually broken its downtrend line. You know, because we've been at all these new lows. We just kept ha- having new lows, new lows, new lows. And now we've broken that line and started to have more new highs. And the uh, new highs, I'm sorry, new highs have broken their downtrend line. So, you know, if you look at the overall earnings season, um, you know, one of the things that you'd like to see is the financials do better. And, you know, most of the financials that have reported last week did better. Uh, so, look, I just I just point out that, it, right, I think it's 4220. There is a gap that goes all the way to 4300. And that would be really, really positive. Uh, now, the McQuellen oscillator is fairly overbought. And that's one of the things we look at to uh, to make sure you know what what's good and what's bad. Um, but look, we're seeing some brand names break out. I mean, look, McDonald's broke out last week. Merck broke out. Uh, you know, Coke looks like it wants to break out. You know, all those names. Um, and, and that's kind of an interesting thing. The other thing is, oil had been leading the way, as you know. We made that call a couple of years ago, and I had a lot of my clients said no. And I, uh, they're kind of regretting it right now. You know, ExxonMobil was at 48 with an eight and a half percent yield, and I bought Matador at 12, sold half of it around. Uh, well, I sold half of it at 55, and then another the rest of it around 77, um, and might come back into it soon. But look, we we broke the short term downtrend line by breaking 80 dollars. Now we have to get to past 85.50, I believe it is, or 86, we'll call it, uh, to break the the supply trend downline okay um so if you break that trend channel that would be very positive for light oil and uh, we'll see what happens going forward uh but it's one of those things that i think you know you, you don't want to they still haven't refilled the strategic reserves so this guy's throwing everything he can to get reelected and his numbers are just terrible uh <laughs> uh week in and week out and uh you know People say, was well, this going to be a mild recession, going to be a heavy recession? I don't know the answer to that. Um, I can just say, you know, we have signs of a softening labor market. Uh, you know, everybody and their brothers now, you know, now it's in to cut your headcount. Amazon, Facebook, our Meta, IBM, Microsoft, Salesforce, Dash, you know, all the guys that we're hiring uh, are now letting things go. And when you combine that with the PPI and the CPI uh, March report released last Wednesday, it seems inflation is easing up a bit. Okay, that's you know. So then, if I look under the hood, uh, inflation grew at a slower pace, but core inflation accelerated. Now, this could be a concern for the future. And the CEM, uh, CME, Fed uh, Watch tool 
shows a higher probability of a 25 basis point hike. I think we're getting close to the end than the beginning. Now, the the question is, you know, back in, in September, I said we were at a low. Now, we had one day down and then reversed back up the next day. So, okay, we had one day below my, my call. But we've made a series of higher lows. And we've made a couple higher highs. Now, if we were to make a higher high, which would be over the 4,200 level, that would be very, very positive. Okay. So, you know, those are things that you got to think about. Uh, why is the market going up if everything's so bad? Well, that's a, it's a very good question. Now, one of the things I looked at, and, and Bob Schleimer has this chart, you know, it's a weekly chart on the S&P 500. And what we've done is, you know, if we go back to 2009, and 2020, we had two undercuts, and now we've held that, but we've held that line now. That's very positive. So, you know, now I will say this if you look at the quadrant balance momentum oscillator, which is another thing that Rob Schlammer uses, the weekly thing, it reflects a glowing, growing list of stocks that have either paused or pulled back in, in the first quarter, but are now starting to bottom and improve. So, you like seeing that. Now, look, I'm, I think the momentum. Fairly overbought. It uh, doesn't mean we have to go down right away. I think it's the same thing with the NASDAQ composite, by the way. Uh, so it'll be interesting going forward, uh, you know, what what happens. Now, one of the things I have noticed is that mid-cap growth and small-cap growth have now broken out on a relative strength basis versus value. It has not been the same case in large caps. So we'll see what happens. Usually value does better when interest rates start to come down. And I also say the high beta stocks are still in this uptrend that I talked about, although they've corrected, you know, so uh, what will happen there? Now, people keep asking me about the yields. Should, should I buy uh, treasuries? And the 10-year yield broke its uptrend line, okay? Now, we talked about that for a year almost, all right? But the key here is, I guess, is if you look at the weekly momentum, it's fairly oversold. So there could be a, a rally in interest rates uh, back up to the old trend line. We'll see what happens then. Uh, but the 10-year yield does look like it, it wants to, you know, retest the, uh, you know, the, I would say the, you know, 360 level, something like that, you know, see what happens. But uh, uh, the dollar also has made a higher low. And, uh, you know, the dollar uh, going down has been positive for commodities. And now, you know, if it, it probably bounces up to maybe 101, you know, or from the 101 area up to the 104, 105 area. So we'll see what happens. And like I said, crude oil, we needed to break through that $85, 85 and a quarter mark. 86 would be better, by the way, <laughs> uh, to change the direction. Now, gold broke out, pulled back again. So it just it can't get the, the momentum to break through to a new high. And that's what we need with gold before you really want to participate. And then once it breaks to a new high, it's got to hold that new high. And then you want to pay very close attention. You know, copper continues to consolidate. It's it's above important support. I think it's going to stay that way for a while. I did know the financials broke down. And especially, uh, you know, they broke down to the lower end of the range. And then we had some bank earnings, some of the bigger banks now, not the smaller banks. And, you know, it's in interesting. The regional bank index has this huge, two huge gaps down. Uh, and if you break back into the gap, you usually fill it. So you got to watch that fairly closely, too. I'm not saying go out and buy them, okay? 
So listen to me closely. I'm not saying buy him, but if it fills the gap, pay attention. So, you know, it's been an interesting time. I, you know, the spider energy sector funds and some of the other sec, you know, the energy funds have held up pretty well. And I, I think that's, you know, due to a lot of people uh, piling into ExxonMobil and Chevron and those type of names. Uh, now, ConocoPhillips did break its uptrend line, and a couple others did too. So it, you got to be very careful which energy stocks you buy. I, I noticed that the defense stocks have also looked really, really good here. Uh, and that may be because everybody's scared to death about China and, and uh, Ukraine and all that other good stuff. But, you know, uh, it doesn't matter where I look in that in that universe. They all look oversold and ready to turn up. So uh, keep that in mind. There's a couple names that I really like that are in, uh, we'll call that the Internet universe. And uh, I'm not telling you who they are, but I like them. And we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, but they're starting to lead, and I like that uh, in a down market. I really like that. I'm also seeing some things uh, in some of the healthcare stocks that I really, really like. So we'll keep that um, keep that in the back of our uh, our head. Now, look, I, I want to um, re- want you all to remember now that that we're looking at a scenario uh, on a short term basis where you know, hey, you've, you've got uh, you know some things that are going on that aren't, you know, they're not negative. They're just, you know, we're, we're overbought right at the moment. And, uh, you know, you got to keep that in the back of your head. Now, overbought, you can stay overbought or you can stay oversold for a pretty long time. So I, I think what you're going to see is some choppy movement to the end of the year. All right. So you, we're up now, you know, if you're a trader, you, you know, you look, look for the exit. Uh, you don't have to sell today or tomorrow, right? You're just going to watch each stock individually. But, you know, if as you make – the market is turning into like a springed coil, okay? When you hold down the coil, you know, it's harder – the more you push on it, the harder it is, all right? So the most bullish thing the stock market can do is go up, all right? But they're overbought, so pay, pay particular attention to the price you're paying for the stock. Let's take a break and we'll be right back with a bullish percent. Stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. If you have a question, 216 901 0945. Stay tuned. The straight-talking, hard-working, do-it-right plumbers at Why It Works will unclog your drain for only $93. Or it's free. What's the catch? There's never a catch with Why It Works. I'd rather starve than do business that way. We really will break up your clog and get your water flowing again for $93. Plus, we'll send a camera down the line so you can see exactly what you're dealing Most with. Most of the time, clog busting's all you need. doodle. Back to your regularly scheduled life with a 12-month no-backup guarantee. If your drain line needs more, we'll explain all the options, including flexible payments and guaranteed estimates. And on the off chance clog busting can't get your drain flowing, our service call is free. You'll still get upfront pricing on solutions to your problem, but with no initial service fee. That's on us. Either we deliver on our promised clog busting, or it's free. So don't put up with half solutions or slow or clogged drains. Call Call why it works and consider it done. License number 30185. 
You listen to this radio station for truth at a time when truth is an endangered species. Now, we want to invite you to listen to our sister TV network, Salem News Channel. You'll find us in the App Store or online at SalemNewsChannel.com or on Roku or similar devices. You'll see Hugh Hewitt in the morning, followed by Mike Gallagher. You'll see Dennis Prager, followed by Sebastian Gorka. And at 5 Eastern Time, our newest star, Andrew Wilkow, with Dinesh D'Souza at 7 Eastern. Salem News Channel, the antidote to the mainstream media. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. I haven't heard heard the hair song in a long time, so good good job, buddy. (laughs) Uh, Hey, I just got an email from, I don't know, I can't can't get it, it didn't put his name there, just a weird email address. said, Tim, could you please repeat uh, where I can get some of this stuff? Go to WHK's website, go to local podcast, you know, WHK 1420 AM, go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show goes directly to my webpage. It has all these contact me and email me while you're there. Look at roadmap, sign up for a wealth plan. Uh, we have a news weekly newsletter under bulletin board along with Rob Schleimer's stuff. So there we go. Um, you know, I, I was looking at asset classes and, you know, Dorsey Wright uh, provides us with a bullish percent and they're great folks out of Virginia. And now they're, they're at the NASDAQ. So I don't know where that is. I think it's New York, but, uh, I, I thought I'd run through their rankings of their asset classes before I get into the bullish percent. And this is just relative strength, how we see it today. Okay. So, you know, you've got to be subject to change, but international equities, emerging Europe is, is the number one place. Commodities are still precious metals. Uh, then if you're looking at domestic equities, equal weight versus, uh, uh, capitalization weight. Unfortunately, 90% what's in 401ks is equal weight. I mean, capitalization weight and equal weight tends to outperform over a long period of time. In domestic equities, uh, the three that are favored are mid-cap value, mid-cap blend, and small-cap value. And then if we're looking at, you know, we go over this every week, basic materials, number one, technology, number two, industrials, number three, consumer non-cyclical and consumer cyclical, and then healthcare. Uh, healthcare has improved quite a bit, uh, but they are not favored yet. And communication services has gone from 29 votes to 81. And then in, in fixed income, it's high yield, inflation protected, and municipal bonds. Uh, and then currencies, the U.S. dollar and emergency currencies are next. So uh, keep that all in mind. Uh, look, the bullish percent is something that we've used on this show forever, and it's just a risk. Uh, gauge and uh, you know it went positive two weeks ago and we've been we rallied those two weeks and i apologize the one week i was uh uh out <laughs> we just called out uh and uh but you know that's when it turned but you know we mentioned it last week when it's in a column of x's we have the offensive team on the field we're still at 47 
So it's a good place to add, okay, uh, on weakness, if you can, uh, because the McClellan oscillator is pretty overbought. And, you know, look, I use a lot of different stuff to make determinations of what I should buy and where I should buy it. Um, And, you know, look, somebody asked me about an annuity the other day, and I told them, I said, you know, now might be a good time to get involved in annuities, you know, uh, and they they were looking at fixed annuities, and unfortunately... They popped uh, on their interest rates and now come down a little bit. But I said, you know, flexible annuity would be good, too. Uh, so timing's pretty important, I think, uh, when you get in and how you and how long you stay in. But uh, look, we're at 47. We're in a column of X. So we have the offensive team. And remember, this goes, this is a chart goes from 0 to 100. Uh, some protégés of Charles Dow put it together. When you get over 70, that's, you know, when we're overbought. And... Uh, it's the red zone, okay? That's when you should be more careful. When we get below 30, that's when we're oversold, and that's when we should you know, be paying attention. By the way, we were, we were under 30 for most of November and December, okay? That was a good time to buy stocks. You'd be up about 12, 13, 14% at this point. Um, it was a terrible time to sell stocks, and some some people did, and, I, you know, I, I can only talk them, you know, talk them down to a certain level, but... When you when you have when we're at forty seven, we're below fifty, and we're in a column of X's, it's usually a pretty good time to buy things. But I think you want to buy things down. I'm still looking at the end of twenty twenty four before the bull market starts up again. And I do think we're in a secular I mean a, a structural bull market. We're in a secular bear market and we're it's coming to an end by the what I'm seeing. Um, that's Tim's opinion. Over the counter index is still in the column of O's. That's the smaller names, small caps. Have not participated. That's the one thing that makes me a little bit nervous. You've got the kings, knights <laughs> fighting the war, and we we need the foot soldiers and the and the archers and the supply chain to come back. Okay, and um, there are a few archers shooting arrows, uh, but not all of them. And and the world index turned up. So Wernicke is there. Turned up at forty this week. So we have two of the three major indexes uh, going positive. Now, the other thing I noticed is if I looked at, you know, the Invesco uh, 500 pure value or the, uh, you know, the S&P 400 pure value or the S&P 600 pure value, which is small caps, uh, large caps, mid caps, small caps versus the mega growth, uh, they've all turned into a column. The growth has turned into a column of X's against them. So on a relative strength basis, you know, growth is still holding up pretty well uh, after selling off terribly in 2021 and 2022. Technology, I would overweight. You know, it's it's come a long way, but, you know, you've you got to wait on some of those stocks. Basic materials is the number one asset class. And by the way, basic materials includes precious metals. You know, precious metals have been rallying a little bit here. Technology has been number two. Industrials. I've taken it on the chin the last couple of weeks. I mean, John Deere was 444. It's now 385 or something like that. Industrials, uh, consumer cyclicals and consumer uh, non-cyclicals, I mean staples, and consumer cyclicals are the top five, and they are the favored status, okay? So I think, you know, technology can still overweight. Uh, the non-cyclicals, you could equal weight. Uh, consumer cyclicals, you can uh, equal weight. Utilities are interesting because on a valuation basis, you you want to overweight them, especially if the Fed starts to lower interest rates. If you look at them on a charting basis, you want to underweight them. And communication services made a big move, and you still want to keep them underweight. They're still way behind 
So people ask me about uh, the U.S. dollar. It's continued to trend lower the last couple of weeks. The weakness in the dollar can be seen through the, if you look at the Invesco DB, uh, which is, this is a bucket of U.S. dollars, I, I mean dollars against other currencies. UUP is a symbol. And it crossed back into negative territory, uh, uh, you know, about late two weeks ago, I guess, right? So the decline in the UUP began in October of last year. And we said that, by the way, on this show. Now, what's interesting is if you look at the European index versus the UUP, it turned into a column of X's this week. So keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, you know, that may be, uh, you know, if if the dollar goes down, commodities go up normally. Okay. Now, the other thing is the 10 year Treasury yield. And I want, you know, we found some support at 3.3%. It's very oversold, I'm starting to see some turn up there. So, uh, you know, floating rate still looks good. Municipal bonds, single state municipal bonds have been holding up pretty well. And uh, U.S. government agency have been help- holding up fairly well. Um, and, and the short-term treasuries and short-term CDs, uh, you know, banks are still paying 5% for CDs in some places. you got to watch which bank you're buying, okay? That's all I'll say. Watch what bank you're, you're buying. Now, crude oil is back on a buy signal. Uh, gold is a positive point figure chart, but is on a sell signal. So it's got to break to a new high, all right? Now, if oil were to break 85 I think you got rid of all this, you know, the supply problems. So, um, you know, the overhang, shall we call it. And that's that's important. And I think uh, people should pay particular attention to that. Now, um, hold on one second here. On a long-term basis, I keep going back to that 16 to 18-year generational cycle. And that started in 2000, the late part of 2016. So you probably have till 2020, uh, 2034 before you have to worry at this point. You've got another 10 years. And if if we do the normal cycle, remember, from the bottom, and I'm talking from the bottom in 20, you know, 1929 to the top was 2,300%. Same thing in, in 1972 to the top in, in 2000, 2000 was 2,300%. So just keep that in mind. Uh, if we just go to 2000, we're looking at 13,500 to 14,000 on the S&P 500. So everybody's frightened right now. My guess is that, you know, people will be less frightened. Now, free money's over. All right. So all those crazies that were buying stocks that didn't have fundamentals, forget about it. <laughs> fundamentals do matter. But remember, this four-year cycle is getting we're getting really close. Twenty, the end of 2024 will be a time when you have to pay particular attention to what's happening. And I say that simply because of the fact that if you look at the four-month over the 13-month moving average, we're getting really close to turning up again. And the momentum has squeaked out to a positive. It was the highest momentum I've ever seen. And I'm looking at a monthly chart now. And now we went to the lowest momentum I've ever seen. Well, in the, in the last 25 years, I'll say. Okay. And now we're starting to turn up. Remember, the most bullish thing a market can do, go up. Okay. Stocks go up. Pay attention. And we've held this trend line now for almost five, six months. All right. That's important. When you hold trend lines, that's important. So keep that in the back of your head. 
everybody's bearish. Right? The, 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 the bullish numbers are back down to 19. The bearish numbers are still, you know, are up at 55 again. And, and one thing I, I want you to keep in mind is yields aren't coming back. Zero. No matter what the Fed does, I think, over time, when you break a 40-year downtrend on the 10-year yield, you're not going back to, to point, you know, zero two percent okay? You're probably going to hang here. You go sideways for a pretty long time. All right, so just remember that, and um, I think it's it's important to remember that. The same thing with with commodities and oil. You know, these things going back to like 2008 have broken their downtrend line. They're probably going back up for a while. All right, gold same way. Gold's been going sideways forever, and I think you should pay attention there because if it does break to a new high, that's when I think you want to own gold and pay particular attention to what's going on. All right, so uh, keep that in mind. Now's a good time when stocks are down to buy the dividend stocks. Buy yield when it's up and the stocks are down, all right? For those of you in the silver tsunami, the people who are retiring, it's a great time to buy dividend yield. And if you buy dividend yield, remember, the, your taxation level, you know, you, for a CD, you pay, if you're buying in a taxable account, you're paying regular, your regular income tax level. with a with a dividend is 15 percent all right let's take a break we'll be right back with insiders uh the number here is 216-901-0945 stay tuned This is Hugh Hewitt for Town Hall Review. If you're like me, you want more than just facts. You want insight from people you trust. People like Dennis Prager, Larry Elder, Mike Gallagher, and of course me, your host each week on the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, a weekly roundup of the news. Tune in each week and visit our website at townhallreview.com, where we give you what you need in today's fast-changing world. That's townhallreview.com. Saturday and Sunday at 5 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. Dennis Prager believes it's a strange world. She murdered because of anger at Christianity for having the temerity of stating that there are only two sexes and you cannot become the other one. That's it. That is what it takes a day to be considered a hater. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1420. The answer. And Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. You know, and I, I, uh, I was looking at insiders this week, and I, I, uh, they kind of dried up. So what's been happening this year, which I think is kind of interesting, is that when we get to an overbought scenario on the McQuellen Oscillator and also on Rob Schleimer's work, the insiders evaporate. And then they come back and get down. <laughs> now, insiders are smart people, you know. Uh, 
when you're an insider, you know what he's doing. You know, okay. You should pay attention as far as Tim Hayes is concerned. Notice the Cubs, um, and, and this is, uh, I think, very, very interesting because uh, there's a couple of people that are 10% owners. And Rainy Therapeutics, uh, there's a group that's a 10% owner that bought another chunk of stock this week. And, and I, I, I like when 10% owners buy more. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And Apian Corporation, which is also in the package software area, uh, we had um, a group that that owns quite a bit of it, 10.7%, that just bought another seven, 8,000 shares this week. And it doesn't sound like much, but when you're adding to a 10% position, uh, I think it's important. Okay. So um, now I did see something that I thought was interesting. Better Therapeutics popped from basically 60 cents to, you know, a buck 32 which is not for widows and orphans or anything, but we had David Perry uh, buy $4.1 million worth of stock. And then another, uh, we had two other directors buy $250,000 worth of stock. And then another director buy $200,000 worth of stock. So we have multiple people buying and one guy buying big and he owns some already. So something to think about. And by the way, we've seen a lot of this in the small cap biotech area and the small cap technology area. So keep that in mind. Here, here's here's another small cap technology stock which got whacked, and this is called Noggin, the software company. It was fifteen dollars back in February. It's now two dollars and eighty seven cents. And and we had the CEO and president Jonathan Huberman, who's a pretty smart guy from what I can read, buy three million dollars of stock. And then um, there, there's a company called. Astronova, which is computer hardware. And uh, I like this because it's been showing up on my machine quite a bit. Um, I, we don't follow the stock, so I don't have any report on it. But uh, he bought $970,000 worth of stock. So that's uh, an interesting thing. Our news court, we had uh, two directors. Um, well, we'll just call it Pershing Square. They both work for Pershing Square. Uh, they, they bought $684,000 worth of stock one day, and two days later, they bought $660,000 worth of stock. I forgot to mention that um, uh, on, on Noggin, uh, there was the chief financial officer bought $600,000 worth. I love when chief financial officers, they, they know the numbers, folks, okay? And when they buy, you got to pay attention. So we had the CEO and president and the chief financial officer buy the stock. And then uh, the What's interesting, it's called the PIMCO Dynamic Income Opportunities Fund. We had the guy who runs it buy $750,000 worth of stock. And then he came back two days later and bought another $300,000 worth of stock. So that's pretty close to a million dollars worth of stock and pay particular attention to that. Um, you know, I'm screwing up. Uh, Noggin, we had three insider buyers. We had uh, also a director buy $250,000 worth of stock. So those are 15 to three. They, they step up to the plate in a big way. You like seeing that. All right. So what else do we need to know? Well, I think Mark Newton over at uh, Fundstrat's comment about the number of people taking negative positions in the S&P 500 is, can be positive too. Okay. Now, if they're right, you know, what I'm saying is dead wrong, obviously, but the market's going up. So when you're short the market, you have to cover if you're getting killed. So if you don't see 
you know, a, a mass sell-off in the next week or so, um, you know, these guys are in trouble. Okay, so, so look, uh, if you get a decline below 40, I don't know, 40, 30, 40, 35, uh, that might suggest a minor pullback getting underway. But it's difficult to make a strong bearish technical case right now. So, you know, if you get this rotation into energy and healthcare, and it looks to be fairly real, you know, near-term developments for both, uh, that could be, you know, another leadership group that would come along, okay? Uh, and like I said, if you break 4,200, there's a big gap there. And I said 4,500, and then 4,350 on the S&P 500. That would be very positive. Because uh, usually when you fill a gap, you, you know, when you enter a gap, you fill it, is what I'm saying. Uh, so everybody's saying, oh, technology's getting weak. And they're just, it's a small amount of weakness. Uh, the, the group that got weak just recently have been the industrials, which have led the way pretty much uh, all through last year. All right. So they're taking a breather. Uh, but, there, you know, there's been some stalling out in some of the indices, uh, especially the NDX. Uh, and the QQQs, but I don't think it's the end of the world. Uh, you know, to their to financials, to their credit, have outperformed the S&P 500 over the last week. And and I think some of this near-term technical progress, you know, suggests that they could be good until late April. So for those who like to trade, you know, uh, you know, I mean, if you look at the XLF, you could say on a one-month basis, it's like small head shoulders pattern, but that's, you know, that's for me, for people who like head and shoulders patterns. <laughs> uh, but financials, energy, industrials, and discretionary stocks, uh, they gained, you know, they gained these last weeks and, and their breadth increased. Okay, so you'd like to see breadth increase. Now, I am seeing some serious money come into um, the healthcare field and the biotech field. And, and, you know, copper's had a couple breakouts, but it's it's holding up pretty nice. Um, I, I think gold and silver for you people that like gold and silver uh, remain bullish, but they, you know, they're having a hard time getting I'm more bullish on gold than silver, by the way. Um, I, I think, you know, tech still remains in good place, a uh, good place. You know, look, I think this all depends on where the Fed is. Are they going to raise one more time? Are they not? Uh, you know, do they... Is there another thing coming out of the closet like uh, Silicon Valley Bank Corp? Who knows? But uh, you know, unfortunately, that there's always going to be a uh, you know something that goes on out there that causes you to worry. If you're not worried, you know that's when you know there's trouble. <laughs> I mean, not too many people were worried in October of 2021. Free money, right? So what do you do now? Okay, so I would go to you know WHK fourteen twenty local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show and go over to my webpage. And you know, like I said before, you know we have on the first banner we have insight. If you go there, there's there's two new articles this week. Good stuff. They name names this week. Okay, so there you go. But you also have the bulletin board, which is right below there, and that has not only a newsletter but it has Rob Schleimer's roadmap. If you want to contact me, you want to sit down, do a wealth plan, I highly recommend it. You know, if you don't have a plan, you're out to lunch, I think, especially one that where you can play games with it. You know, what if I do this? What if I do that? What if this happens? You know, what if 2008 happens again? Is my plan still good? 
All right. Uh, that's why I like it. It's, it's interactive. All right. It, it's like a video game. You know, you can, you can say, Hey, you know, what if I do this? What if I give my kids money? What if I, you know, what if I want to spend some more money, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if you'd like to sit down and talk about your portfolio, a wealth plan, family inventory workbook, that's a good way to get financially uh, organized, shall we say. Put all your ducks in, in one place. Not to keep them all in one place. You just put them in one place. Remember, wealth plan, if you just want, if you're a prospective client or you just want to see how they work, we can show you. Now, I'm not going to go into playground with you, the what ifs, but it, we can show you the wealth plan, uh, work accordingly. Um, some people have asked me uh, what I think the number one idea right now is dividend growth. And look, I don't think you have to, if you're a 500 share buyer or a 200 share buyer and you're buying Boeing, Friday was a good day to buy Boeing, let's say, okay? Don't buy the old 200 shares. Buy 50, buy 25. By the way, if you've heard about Marshfield on my show and would like to hear more from them directly, call me in my office. All right. Uh, so you go WHK fourteen twenty. I got my number all over the place. Marshfield's going to be in town. It's a limited number of people I'm inviting. A limited number of people. So uh, we'll leave it at that. In the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.